You're listening to the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. On today's show, Jeffrey Zakarian, Big Shot Chef, TV star. You might have seen him on Chopped or Iron Chef or Cooks vs. Cons, or perhaps you've been to one of his restaurants like the Lambs Club or the National in New York City, or his recently opened Georgie and the Garden Bar at the Montage Beverly Hills Hotel. Jeffrey is a man with many, many opinions, and he is not afraid to share them. And on today's episode, we talk about uh, his multiple ventures, uh, the virtues of old school dining, and how he keeps up with it all. All right, there's Jeffrey and me. Let's do this. Jeffrey, you're not wearing your glasses today. I'm not. Is that like a decision or? It is a decision. Everything is a decision, Adam, as <laughs> you, you know. <laughs> you strike me as one of those guys who you thinks everything out. I do. It's it's a curse. Uh, and it's good at the same time. Uh, I, I It's good if you're a businessman. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't wear glasses today because uh, I'm in the kitchen. And we you know there's, we, in some of the shows I'm blessed to be on, we have uh, teleprompters for some hmm. and others, there are cards and others, we just wing it. So, um, all right, wait, so why aren't you wearing the glasses today? Well, I'm sitting here with you. It's yeah. nice and cozy. <laughs> you know, we just cooked a burger well, together. Well, we did. We did a little Facebook Live. Uh, we can talk that about that. That was fun. That was really, and, and tasty also. The reason I bring up the, the glasses is because I feel like they are very much now an identifying element of your yes. persona. And I yes. imagine that's the sort of thing people see you on the street and like, hey, right. you're my, the guy from I do Chopped. You're the, you know. On Cooks versus Cons, uh-huh. I do wear them because I'm, I'm nearsighted and I have to see what they're cooking. Uh-huh. So, uh, And on a kitchen, I wear them on occasion. I can basically wear them or not wear them, but I try to do it when I'm reading. Like today, I have one contact lens in. Did you forget the other one? No, no. I, I I have one in so I can see yeah. far and the other one so I can read. Because if I'm, I'm constantly taking my glasses on and off because yeah. I don't have those fancy lenses. Um, so it's interesting. We're talking about a TV show. Um, you opened a couple of restaurants recently in Beverly Hills. One in Beverly, Beverly Hills, Hills and one in Greenwich, Connecticut. Right. Yep, and then... You got some Two sub- very, you know, poor suburbs. Exactly. <laughs> it's location, location, real, location, man. Real like <laughs> Yeah, obviously had the Lambs Club and National here in New York yep. City. Yep. Um but before you became this this businessman, mm-hmm. uh you got started a while back in yes. New York City in a very sort of traditional restaurant upbringing way, working for Danielle Ballou at Le Cirque back in- Way before then, yes. Yeah. I worked for, um, before I worked for Danielle, I worked for um, Alain Sayak at Le Cirque. Okay, uh, Alain. I start yeah. Alain. And Alain. what year was that? That, that was, was 1982. 80s? 82, okay. 81, 82 when I graduated from culinary. Uh, and I, I was going to get an MBA. I had a degree in economics. I was going to get an MBA out in Midwest University of Chicago, which is Let me ask you this. Um, I, maybe I'm just guessing here. When you said, told your parents you wanted to be a chef, were they like, what? No, that you're going to business school, kid. <clears throat> they, my mother said, you're going to grow up and marry a waitress. <laughs> and that's exactly what she said. I'm not kidding. It's in my book. And I said, well, you know, that, that might be not so bad. Could be, a, could be, yeah. Uh, so I did eventually grow up. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, yeah. that's the, the jury's still out on that. But I worked at Le Cirque, and uh, that was a very old-fashioned French restaurant. And back in 1981-82, there was just French in the city and a couple of Japanese, maybe a spattering yeah. of other. But it was like uh, it was uh, not the culinary uh, no. wonderland it is today. And this was the original Le Cirque, which yes. was, you know, that was like one room, not yeah. particularly attractive, but cereal was at the door. Yes. It was tr- very traditional French food. I, I have yet, yet mm-hmm. to see a room with such buzz. There's one room in New York that just opened that is similar. Mm-hmm. 
but I still think it doesn't get the same buzz just because of, it's that? a subterranean restaurant, and that's the, the Polo, Polo Bar. Yeah, yeah. Ralph Lauren. Ralph Lauren Polo <clears throat> Bar, great restaurant, great, great vibe. But it, I, I went to the old Le Cirque once, and probably this was 94, I guess, when I moved to New oh, York, wow. right, right before uh, they relocated, yeah. before Danielle opened Danielle and everything. Um, but it was interesting. You walk in this restaurant, and it was one room, really no windows, really. There's some windows, but they some, weren't, you, they weren't, yeah, they weren't, they weren't bringing a lot of light. No. But it's on the street, too. And, it, and you were like, this is the famous Le Cirque, yeah. but what you realize, as you said, it's everyone's in one room. Yeah. Everyone can see each other, and in that New York way, it's fairly tight together, Very and tight. that creates this energy that I don't think you get in a lot of other cities and a lot of other restaurants. You don't. I mean, it's to have you know the Rockefellers, Woody Allen, all these people yeah. sitting next to you. Henry Kissinger's uh, over there. Ronald Reagan was a regular. Yeah. I mean, this is like unbelievable. We had Secret Service in the kitchen probably three days a week. That must have been crazy. And, and you're then, and you're what a 24 year old kid? Yeah, or I was 24 years old, yeah. and they were like, taste, you know, they'd make us taste the food first. I'm like, dude, it's good. I I just yeah. I taste it. <laughs> taste it again. Taste I'm like, it again. All right. They need to see you taste it. You have to cook a piece of steak. You have to take a, a piece of the steak and eat a piece of yeah. the steak. I'm and like, so this you, is the president's steak. He's like, you, no, you got to eat a piece. Wow. I'm like, okay. Okay. And you would have foreign dignitaries coming there. Oh, that was that was the place to go in New York. Listen, time. Adam, they would come in the kitchen. Yeah. They would walk in the kitchen. It was that kind of place. It was just electric. And uh, I learned from the master, Alan Sayek and Sirio Machoni. I learned as much from Sirio, actually, as I did from Alan. And I was in the, believe me, I was in the back of the house all the yeah. time, 100-hour weeks, yeah. and just working. And in that kitchen was some of the greatest chefs that, you know, are right now on the tree of chef life, you know. Uh, the line was Terrence Brennan, David Boulay, myself. can't even remember how many other people. That was the line. That was the cooking line. Did you realize the talent that surrounding you at the time or were you too young <clears throat> this was pre anything this was yeah. pre celebrity chef no but this i'm saying pre- but did you realize that you were no. someplace where people were no wow. no no I, I realized these guys were like like balls to the wall yeah. incredible just they were badasses yeah. i mean they were badasses and they, they would try to they would do anything they can to take you down and get you out <laughs> if you didn't stand up to their their because you did 300 covers at night yeah and there wasn't a sea of, you know, rationales and there wasn't this, you know, cooking in bags and all that. It was like yeah. everything was sauteed, roast yeah. to order, a la carte. And it was difficult. It was like very, very different than cooking today. Yeah. And I imagine when you're on the line in a restaurant, I imagine that kitchen wasn't some huge gleaming sort of thing like you see at a lot of new places It, it wasn't a per se kitchen. No. And I also imagine when you're on the line with these guys that if you don't pull your weight, then that makes them look bad and you screw up the whole thing. Yeah. If, if you're the third person yeah. in or the fourth person in and, you know, you're going through a hazing that's going to take about a year wow. to get over. But you know what? You look who you produce and yeah. it's just amazing. It was, you know, the very first interview I did when I moved to New York in 94, I was working at the James Beard Foundation and Mitchell Davis, my then boss, who's still there, said, um, hey, uh, we're doing this piece on Le Cirque's, at the time, I guess, 20th anniversary, maybe? Yeah, it was a while ago. Something like that. Maybe it was 95. Um, would you want to go interview Danielle Ballou? And I was like, sure. Who's Danielle Ballou? You know, <laughs> I, mean, I just moved to New York, didn't know a thing. But I, I still remember one thing that Danielle was saying that when he was at Le, at Le Cirque um, after Alain um, was that he said, yeah, this is a very fancy French restaurant. But if you were a regular and you came in, you just said, I would like a, a boiled chicken. They would boil you a chicken. Well, that's if you what, want an omelet, we'll make you an omelet. I feel like we're in this era now of no substitutions oh, yeah. and it has to be like this. And if it's too spicy, that's too bad. But back then, Listen, if you were a regular, they would make whatever I, you want. I'm going to tell you, we have a mantra at our restaurants. Mm-hmm. You come in, and you know, because you mm-hmm. come a lot to Lamb's Club. Thank you. Uh, whatever you want, you just come order it. I mean, we're cooks. So yeah. I, we have a mantra that the waiter is not allowed to go and ask the chef if they can do this. Mm-hmm. And the waiters are like, what? Really? We don't have to ask. I'm like, no. As long, if they ask for like, a, you know, 
stuffed pheasant yeah. and we don't have it. You're like, you know, you know what? We'll gladly make it. If let me see if we have pheasant in the yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> but a couple just hanging in there. If we have guests come in all the time and they're like, I just want a cheeseburger, I just want a steak, can you just give me some omelet? Can I have some scrambled eggs? I you know, just flew in. You know, you have to take care of the customer. That will do more than any social media, Instagram, Pinterest yeah. n- nonsense you, that we if, do that we like we just like right now we pummel people over the head yeah. with this Instagram of food and it's not even interesting anymore. It's no. the same. The food looks the same. Go on Instagram. Yeah. Everything looks the same. But it's interesting. Serio got it and then Danny Meyer after that. Like hospitality doesn't cost you anything more, but it'll engender such a loyalty from the customers. If you're a nice, welcoming person, a hostess, a waiter, people will come back. And the food just needs to be good enough, but they feel welcome and they feel like they're being taken care of. Look, Keith McNally has made a career out of doing food that's Better than it has to be, yeah. but not amazing because no. he doesn't want to do like amazing. Like Balthazar. Yeah, yeah. Balthazar is but good Balthazar, enough. I, I, people tell me, where should I go in New York? I'm like, go to Balthazar. Yeah. I'm like, really? You go there? I'm like, yeah. yes. You're never not going to have a good time there. It's it's not the, about the food. The lighting's going to be yeah. amazing. There'll be a buzz in the room. You get the oysters. You have some And the waitress is going to speak of yeah. splattering of French. And yeah. she's going, what, can I have the beans on the side? Yeah. Yes, of course. Right. You know, It's like no point. It's not even an issue. They don't ask you. There's no rules, You know, which I hate nowadays in restaurants. There's rules. There's yeah. a rule to sit down. Are you familiar with the menu? Are you familiar with the fork? Are you familiar? with how you pay are you familiar with with the you know online reservations are you familiar with uh, how many how, how big the plates are I'm like actually I don't you know you get this lecture it's yeah. just so condescending and I, I stopped the waiter and I'm yeah. like I get it I get it yeah just thanks I, yeah, just, we're gonna I, give you our order real, real, right away and another thing that drives me nuts I was like can I just get a drink can you spare me all <gasps> that bring me my cocktail and then we can talk about specials and everything yeah <laughs> and you don't get that in old world restaurants. They would never do that at Ralph Lauren. They don't, yeah. buy, they don't like it pest you. If you ever go to Galatois in New Orleans, which is one of the classic old school restaurants down there, they you go there. The big thing is like lunch on Fridays, mm-hmm. and you sit down. They take your drink order. They bring you your drinks. They don't bring you a menu until you ask for one. So great. And people literally the lunch tables. You're there from like literally noon to five. Yeah. So people will just Lunch be kind of hanging <laughs> out, and it's a big social scene, yeah. and you're having a couple of cocktails, and you're drinking, and you're chatting. Maybe you all get some shrimp cocktail. Isn't that and delightful? then around 1.30, you're like, you know what? We'll take a look at the menu Isn't now. Isn't that delightful? Yeah, and they're not like, trying to push the specials and this and that on you. It's like, hey, the table's yours. Enjoy it. We're here for I'm, you. I'm going to tell you, I opened a restaurant in L.A. for a reason. First of all, I love L.A., and I, I you know, it's beautiful to be in a hotel. I'm, I love being in hotels. You know you know when you love L.A.? On a day like this I in know, New York. It's rainy. <laughs> but just... look, at, look at Gray Steel out there. It's just magnificent. I mean, no. come on. We're on the 35th floor of One World Trade. It's not bad. But when you go to L.A., one of the things I noticed, I did a lot of research on restaurants, who's, you know, all the great restaurants. And all the restaurants, I mean, a lot of the restaurants I went to had so many rules. It was almost, it was it was annoying and I was angry. I was, I was leaving the restaurant, I was angry that I went to a restaurant, a very famous restaurant that's hip and, you know, everybody's had tattoos and it's like, you know what I mean? What's the name of it? I can't tell Oh, you. yes, you can. We're just talking about rules. It's okay. Uh, it's, what, it, it's downtown. I sat there at five o'clock because I couldn't get a reservation. I had to uh-huh. go at five o'clock with my kids. Did you sit and, at the little kitchen bar? No, no, no. We had to sit outside. They wouldn't let us sit inside and it was empty. Yeah. And we sat outside. I'm like, okay, it's great. It's, I've heard, I can't wait. So I said, we'd just like to try. I have three children. Yeah. Okay. Said, we're going to be a real fast resort, a bunch of stuff. I'm ready to go. So we're going to have, what's going to start because the kids are really hungry. Let's have a couple of pizzas. Give me two or three contornos. I'm ordering yeah. like that. The lady looks at me. She said, um, well, we really prefer if you give us the entire order. Oh my God. I hate that. I'm like, what? I'm like, and then my wife kicked me under the table. Yeah. I'm like, because she knew. I just, you can't tell that. I'm going to spend yeah. four, $500. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to order more food than yeah. four people normally order because I always do. I want to see everything. Yeah. And I'm like, well, we have kids. We just want to start eating. Yeah. We're hungry. Well, the kitchen, because we, we like to pace things out. I'm like, I said, here's the, here's the situation. 
I'm not gonna. I don't. I don't care about pacing things out. Yeah. You can bring me if you can bring me cold food first. You yeah. can bring hot food first. I don't care what company. You bring me pretzels first. I don't care. You can bring me dessert first. I just want to order in my order. Well, let me ask you the kitchen. Well, they prefer if that. She came back. My wife said it's fine. Just like go with it. I'm like okay. So then I get sneaky. I'm like okay. We're just gonna have appetizers. We're not gonna have main courses. Okay, fine. May I take your order? So I take the order. Yeah. Like you know. And then if you order anything special in L.A., forget it. Forget it. <laughs> Uh, you know, I could I could we just have you know that pasta with red sauce? Can we have it not yeah. spicy for the kids? Yeah. Well, I'm afraid it's it's already made yeah. spicy. I mean, you can't make it. You can't give me a chopped up some tomatoes for yeah, a yeah. two year old. <laughs> it's not possible, right? So you hit this wall of like ab arrogance, and they think they're doing you a favor by you being there. Like you, you, you should be blessed that oh, you got a restaurant reservation at this restaurant. So we have the appetizers, and the food's good. Yeah, it's not. Is it, is it worth yeah. going forty-five minutes from uh, Beverly Hills to in traffic? <laughs> well, uh, listen, there's not if, a lot, there's if, not a lot of people going to feel sorry for you. No, no, <laughs> you just no, said, no. Is it worth going? Or, no, no. Or but listen to me. It is okay, the truth. Yeah. In, in, in oh, no, LA, it, you got to go an hour to get. LA is very okay, far. So yeah. everything's far away. If it was amazing, I'm like, yeah. you know what? I come here yeah. again. I come yeah. here again. And and so then we we had the appetizer. And I said, oh, thank you. Would you like some dessert? Actually, no. We're still hungry. Yeah. I'm going to order dessert on yeah. main courses now. Yeah. So I got what I wanted, Once, but I had yeah. to be deceitful. So now I'm feeling bad. Yeah. Because is this the restaurant business we're in today? Is this what it? Is this what it's come down to? Like telling the customer they can't have anything? Well, all right. To play devil's advocate, um, you'll lose this argument. Yeah, no, no. Because listen, I'm, I'm with you as a customer, but I do wonder. Like, uh, the same thing happens a lot in New York City where they say, I'm sorry, but we can't seat your party That's until bullshit. you're all here. It's total bullshit. But is it- is Not that, my restaurants. But but what but what is the reason for that? There's well, no reason. Be empathetic. Why do, why do restaurants do that? I'm, I'm going to think of a reason. Hold on a second. There's none. I've been in the restaurant <laughs> business for 36 years. You want to sit down, it's your table. Mm -hmm. Okay? If, if the table's there. If the table's there, you want to sit down. Yeah. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you're alone and you have a seat and there's a table for four and you're alone, if I walk into a restaurant, like I was at Le Cuckoo the other night, mm -hmm. said, you're welcome to sit at the table. We had a six top, right? Yep. Great restaurant, by the way. Yep. Sit and do whatever the fuck Daniel you want. Daniel Rose Do whatever the Paris, fuck you want. Stephen Starr. He gets Philly, it because yeah. he worked in Paris, not, not made any money his whole life. Now he's coming to New York and yeah. he's going to do well. It's a beautiful restaurant. Beautiful designed restaurant. Designed by Roman Williams. So um, you sit, you walk into a restaurant and there's one of you have arrived yeah. and there's a four top out of four, you kind of don't want to sit down at the table because yeah. you feel like a nerd yeah. sitting alone. What are you going to do? Look at the candle? A schnook. You know, you a schnook, like a schnook. Look at, yeah. Right. Okay. So, yeah. so I get, I would rather, I would go to the cocktail place or just hang out at the bar yeah. or stand they away, a, whatever. They, they have a beautiful bar. Yeah. There. So I get that, yeah. but you should be able to go and sit because you know that if you've booked a table, yeah. the probability of you showing up is 99.9%. Yeah. The probability of you spending for four people is 99.9. You're yeah. going to spend for four. You're going to show up. You're going to be. So why are you doubting the cut? Why are you putting a roadblock? You know what? Now on, that's it. Next time I go in, I'm going to be like, why not? Why can't why I Why are you putting down? a roadblock in front I'm of gonna the I'm going to spend all this we, money. We only see complete, complete parties. Why? Why? Yeah. Why the fuck? Why do you do that? Have you ever watched Billions? <laughs> Bobby, Bobby Axelrod, the character. <laughs> but I'm talking, no, that's a great character. I, I, have you watched the show? I am talking to yes. I have talking great to you as a customer. No, listen, I get it, and as that it always customer. It always mystifies me that you would like to cultivate a good relationship with a customer, <laughs> make them feel good, make them want to spend money. People, people. Uh, this is interesting as a customer. People don't mind spending a lot of money if they feel like they're being taken care of and that money is being well spent. I have people get angry when they spend a lot of money and of they course. don't feel it's worth. I it. have never ever. Try to like look at my menu and like, are we too expensive? Are we too cheap? I'd like just price it what it's supposed to be yeah. so you can make some money. You do the math. You do the math. And then you, on the other hand, you have a right, you have a right to take care of the customer. They come in there. It's the only business. It's a, we're in a retail business. 
We're, we're, mm. we're not in the schmata business, but we're mm. in the retail business. But unlike the retail business, when you walk in our door, you 100% a guarantee a sale, right? Yeah. You go into Ralph Lauren. Well, it's true. They, you, maybe you walk you buy around, you, you spend don't. two hours, you buy three, you annoy the, the person I'm for two hours. I'm just going to buy some socks. And then you go out and you buy a belt. Yeah. And that person's put two hours of yeah. his life in you. Good right? point, yeah. In a New York City restaurant or any restaurant, you walk in, it's a sale. Yeah. Unless you do Boom. something, unless you walk into the wrong, oh, yeah. it's the wrong address. Yeah. Then you leave. No one comes in and goes out. No one does that. So it's 100% sale. So why would you piss them off as a captive audience? Um, speaking about sales and yes. about business, um, like I said, you are, as seems to me, as much a businessman as chef, as restaurateur as these Jay-Z days. Jay-Z says, I'm a businessman. Business, comma, man. <laughs> I was talking to Andrew Carmelini a little yes. while ago, the chef who owns wonderful, the Dutch here in Miami and Lafayette and stuff. Um, and he was talking about the the restaurant sort of business landscape these days and the advent of the no tipping thing and everything. And he was saying, you know, he said, as far as new properties, he's, he said, you know, unless it's like a hotel deal with the backing group and this and that, I'm not opening any new restaurants in yeah. New York. Well, we're, we're, we're in that, we're in that together. Can we're, you talk about yeah, the pros sure. and cons of opening a restaurant sure. in a hotel compared to just a freestanding space that you got to pay rent on, et cetera? Well, you pay rent anywhere, yeah. but yeah. What, here's the, here's the rub. The restaurant business, because of regulation, insurance and, and minimum wage and everything has gotten so difficult to manage payroll wise. Mm-hmm. And rent's an issue, but rent is not the big, big issue. It's really the infrastructure you have to put into open a restaurant and how the payback of that is and what's the return on an investment, the ROI. If the ROI is not enough for uh, even like a, a guy who just wants to open a restaurant with a lot of money, and there are guys still that mm-hmm. just want to have a restaurant yeah. to meet yeah. girls or whatever, yeah, yeah. just like have yeah. a restaurant. They lose money, they don't, you know, they break even, yeah. they're, they're ecstatic. Yes. Um, but the, the numbers don't make sense anymore. I mean, ask mm. Bobby Flay. I mean, mm-hmm. he's the same way. He's doing burger joints. Yeah. I mean, Gato is like a, a love project yeah. that he got a good rent deal on, and he has a lot of he has a lot of resources in New York that he can mm-hmm. draw upon. But I'm telling you, it's he's right because what happens is, you know, when you when you at the end of the day, um, you're looking at a payroll number and a rent number and a just the expense of operating, and if you're not making five or seven percent. Return. What's the no investor is going to give you so, that kind so of? So how does so how is it easier to do? What how does a hotel okay. restaurant? Here's work? what a hotel a hotel restaurant works. So I've been in hotels since 1987 when we opened the Royalton with Ian Schrager, and I was one of the first pe- people to actually believe in the hotel model. And I was told I was nuts. And that was at 44. That was at 44, and I was told I was nuts because there was no flag. It's the back of a, mm-hmm. a lounge. No one's yep. on 44th Street back then. It was like <laughs> yeah, you know, it was an SRO. There were still people living in the yeah, SRO yeah. upstairs. It was really, but you have a captive audience. You have now a restaurateur, which at the time was uh, Jeffrey Chatterhall, mm-hmm. running a restaurant for the hotel, providing a real goosed up experience in hotels don't really run restaurants well. Mm-hmm. So what was good about that is we had a percentage deal where we would pay, I believe it was 7%, which is a lot of money back then, of our gross to Ian Schrager. We thought it was genius on our part. Did we find out? <laughs> we had no cap on it. So we did a lot of money there and Ian made a lot of money there because... He just kept getting seven percent of everything we did more. So if we did five million, six million, his rent went up automatically every year without even asking. Way more than a CPI increase. Yeah. So the thing about being in a hotel that's great is you have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You have a lot of people who come through there that aren't necessarily coming to the restaurant. They're staying at the hotel. So you have a lot of transient people. Mm-hmm. So you're busier more often, mm-hmm. more, more consistently. 
And hotels have great bars. So we all have, I'm sure Andrew will tell you, has big bars at his restaurants mm -hmm. in hotels because that's where 50%, you want 50% of your revenue coming from alcohol, liquor, beverage. That's the real key to anything that really works money-wise. What, what about the build-out of the restaurant itself? Yes, the build-out will usually be undertaken by the hotel. Yeah, because building a restaurant is expensive. You're building all that stuff. Here's the thing. Paying for all those banquets and the here's bar the, and the lighting the and everything. If, if I'm going to take a space on the corner of like Nassau and Barclay over here and mm -hmm. it's not in a hotel, I got to spend $600 a foot minimum to make a restaurant there. Mm -hmm. There is, I don't own the space, I'm releasing it. Mm -hmm. A hotel is a hotel company, owns the building, owns everything. And then they're asking us to put money into their space. It doesn't make sense, why mm -hmm. would we? Unless mm -hmm. we get an equity in the hotel. Yeah. So there's an issue. So if we want, yeah. you want us to put $4 million in it, we want equity in the entire we project. Want, we want a piece. Because basically what we do is provide them a service and pay them rent. We provide them a, a fulcrum to leverage yeah. their brand because they're getting so, a cool restaurant in so their So they're doing the build out and you're doing the operation. Yes. And guess what? But do you own that? What's the, no, how does we, it, what? we just, we pay a simple rent. It's mm -hmm. usually a 15 year deal, mm -hmm. 10 with a five year mm -hmm. kicker. Uh, and what, 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 what one hopes, the hotelier hopes that he gets a really, really cool restaurant tour yeah. that has a buzz. Yeah. He hopes the lobby's busy. So he can, he can have a rent paying tenant that is not disruptive, meaning, if they leave, you're screwed in a hotel because a hotel is a special thing. It's not like a corner space. You put the plywood up and you get another guy. You're in a hotel, yeah. you're in someone's living room that's operating a hotel and you have guests above. So it's different. Well, it's so, interesting. Like if you look in LA, like when Jose Andres opened um, the Bazaar, but like everyone, it's almost like everyone knew about the SLS hotel because of that restaurant. Well, it's, so know? that was the second point I was trying to make. So the restaurateur is, is gaming us in a way and we're game, you know, we're getting money from them and they're gaming us to get a vantage point for lenders so they can come in and they'll eventually sell or they'll yeah. remortgage the building and they get a higher rate for themselves and they'll pay off some of the debt that they owe. That's the whole game. And they, they play that very well. And they need us to do that. And yeah. we need them to open these restaurants. And they need a restaurant in their hotel. All right. Two words though. Yes. Union waiters. Yeah. Two words. Uh, union waiters are, um, we, well, it's not just union waiters. Uh, it's union. Um, it is not possible to make money in a union environment unless you're actually a union waiter. The waiters are making money, mm -hmm. the bartenders are making money, the cooks are making money, they're making salaries. The, the actual entity, if you, if you said, okay, as a business, this 5,000 square feet being union, does it make or lose? They all lose. The space I, is out. The, the employees the actual, are making money, but yeah, the- Yeah, but I mean, that, that why, that's why no one in their right mind, mm -hmm. if they're a, 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 a person, a private investor, would ever invest in a union property. Yeah. doesn't make sense. So your restaurants are in hotels, but not union. They're not union. Yeah. A lot of hotels are just going to a, a self-serve uh, mm -hmm. operation. You look at seeing restaurants open now like Eats, Eats, Eatsy, LA, or the mm -hmm. a restaurant, that's the correct name, but Eatsa, I think it's Eatsa. Mm -hmm. When you go in, you order on, a, on an iPad. Yeah. Oh, that drives me nuts, though. Well, you order an iPad. Yeah. Hold on a second. There's hundreds of them. You order yeah. an iPad, and you your grain bowl shows up in a door mm. with your name on it which electronically you, yeah. in five minutes. Which wrapped. is also, it's kind of a very Tokyo thing. You uh, go yeah, to but the, hold on. Listen to me. So, it wraps six bucks, perfectly cooked, wrapped mm. with with your name on it. Within, we'd have to, you have no interaction with a human being. <laughs> oh, but listen, that's what that's what's happening, and I, it's laughable and fun. But do you like that or not like? Well, that? I'm telling you, yeah. that's what's happening. That's what's if you forced. overprice the labor, yeah. it's going to happen, yeah. and it's happening. And, and then then they say, well, you, what's happening to labor? Well, you know, people they'd rather you buy an iPad. You don't have to insure an iPad. Yeah. There's no there's no no one's going to sue you. There's no sexual harassment with an iPad. 
You know, all these things that we face, that is just, it comes at us all the time. We're liable for all of this stuff. And sometimes people say, you know, it's just not worth it. And, you know, Andrew yeah. saying that is like, you know, it's just not worth it. Yeah. Because I can't get an investor to invest $5 million in a venture that probably won't make money, let alone return his money at an IRR that's acceptable. But you know what will make money and won't sue you? Storage containers. Storage. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. And you've got a line of really cool storage I do, containers. I do. Thank you. I have a line of things called the Pro for Home, which I just invented with my wife. Uh, and we invented them because we looked at the restaurant that we own. We went in the walk-ins and we saw how we stored things. I'm like, why can't we store things like this in, in, at the home? And we looked around for storage containers like that and they didn't have it, so we made them. And you're selling them at HSN right Which now. Which HSN right now. And the now. cool thing is like what a lot of restaurants will do, they'll have a sheet tray, and then on top of that sheet a tray, they'll, rack. they'll put like, yeah, a little yeah. cooling rack. And That's so you can do. put steaks and stuff, and or so any liquid drips to the bottom, and the fish or yeah. the steak or whatever is not yeah. sitting in that and, liquid. And, and berries, especially, you know, when you go to the store and yeah. you get that berries, and you go home, and you that one nasty little mm. thing in the middle. Yeah. Smushy berries. And six bucks, yeah. right? And then you and it Those. destroys you. And then who remembers to keep the slip and brings it back? No one. No one. You just eat it, and you're So pissed. this sort of aerates the food. Tightly yes. sealed, takes out the moisture. Yes. I feel like I'm on HSN right now. It's amazing. I should be. I'm do you want, telling do you want you, me to come on I, HSN you know, with you? Well, you can. And let me tell you, on, on air, I get out the container and I put it on the floor and I stand on it. Yes. And I'm 185 pounds. A it's not like a Tupperware. Ver a very fit 185 pounds. A very pounds. fit 185 pounds. 14% <laughs> body fat. And uh, I stand on it to show people. You buy these once. Like yeah. There are other products that they have parties, dinner parties, and you yeah. have to keep buying them. Yeah. They should buy once. Buy once. And yeah. I, I need these because I'm always, I've got a, you got kids. You have three kids. I have yeah. one about to be nine-year-old, and I'm always making them mac and cheese and this and that and oh. storing stuff, and I never have enough storage containers or the, there's some in the dishwasher, and I'm like, no, I need more storage and containers go, at work. And they go in the pantry. Or so I lose the tops. No, no, they that. go in the pantry, and yeah. then you write on the outside of them because everything we do in the kitchen, we write, and we put a piece of tape, we write the date. So they really <sighs> work. All right. What else are we talking about? Here? Lightning round. Oh, good. Doing Love the this. lightning round. Love this. You need a martini. Come on. I know. Well, that's first question. You Mar have to come to the martini uh, cart in L.A. and Georgia. We have the, a fantastic martini I, I, cart. I, I, like I don't know if anyone else has one in L.A. Well, we have one. Well, yeah. Well, maybe I will. First I mean, question. Martini or Manhattan? They're both great. My preference is a gin martini. How do you, how do you make it? Uh, very cold so I can skate across the top of it mm -hmm. with uh, Nui Pratt. Uh, it needs vermouth. Vermouth, okay. And a twist of lemon. Any type of gin you prefer for a martini? Uh, I like Plymouth gin. It's a okay. London gin, straight gin, not a fancy gin. No, yeah. Nothing with a lot of botanicals no, in it. You, you don't want you it to know, overwhelm. No, yeah, you don't want anything to taste like hibiscus. How long do you stir it for? Do you have a I, sh I do something that's completely rule-breaking, mm. just like I am. Yeah. I shake it Ooh, like, like a Polaroid like James Bond. picture. Yes. Yeah, or Polaroid. But I just yeah. like it cold. I think the And we use frozen gin, so when you get it made with frozen gin, it, it takes less time to chill down. Cool. Uh, four in hand or half Windsor? Half Windsor. I don't think no. I don't think you are a half Windsor guy. I think you're a foreign hand guy. No, you are half half Windsor. Yeah. You like the big spread collar. I know that. Um, I could change. Yeah, <laughs> chef or restaurateur, both. You got to be one restaurateur. Yeah, but you, we just made burgers on Facebook Live. You still love to make food. It's what it's it's my natural. Yeah. It's my natural, and it's what I, I I feed off of, and it's what 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 made me love this business is the love of food. Yeah. But I would say that I love the front and the theater of it as much as I love cooking. Driver or putter? My preference. Well, where do you make your money? When you're on, I know you play a lot of golf. What's your, <laughs> what's 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 your better? Club? I'd say I'm a better driver. Uh huh. But I like to be driven. <laughs> Clogs or sneakers? Neither. 
What do you? What do you? If you're in the kitchen, on the way, what are you wearing? You're wearing Prada. Uh, oh, these are like Prada rubber soled yes. multicolored wingtips. Yes, Fancy I wear. Boy. I wear very expensive shoes. They're expensive because they're well made, and they have a. I wear always a rubber sole because mm-hmm. when you're in your in the kitchen, clogs to me are like the most uncomfortable things ever. I don't get clogs. I have a very flat foot, so I have to wear really very good leather rubber sole shoes in the kitchen always. Jets or Giants? Not a sports fan. Interesting. But you like to play sports. I like, I like golf. Mm-hmm. That is the extent of my sports. You go to the gym a lot. I go every day. Every day. That's impressive. No, not really. I have to. <laughs> <laughs> cook, cook, cookbooks or cooking shows? Cooking shows. Yeah. Cookbooks are a fucking pain in the ass to yeah, write. Yeah, and they take a I, long time. I hate them. I like the outcome, yeah. but they're just, they're, they're gnarly. They're just, they, they, they like, they like a virus. When did you realize you were good on TV? Like what, am I good on TV? I'm, Thank I'm, you. I'm, I mean, yeah, I'm assuming, uh, you know. I, you're I'm, still on. <laughs> I'm still on. You know what I tell people? There's a 15 minutes. In 15 yeah. minutes, you're going to be off. I yeah. tell them, don't get cocky because yeah. it all ends. It, it does. Now I believe it. It ends. But uh, when did you realize that you, you had a knack? Uh, I, when did I realize I had a knack? You know, strangely enough, I'll tell you a funny story. If it, do we have enough time to yeah, tell sure. a story? Um, I won Iron Chef in 2011, and Iron Chef's a cooking show where you become an Iron Chef, blah, blah, blah. Before that, for 32 years or 33 years, I've been toiling in the kitchen as a chef and all that. And um, when I won the show, people were like, oh my God, you're a chef too? <laughs> you can cook, you're not just yeah. a judge? Yeah. So they saw me on, uh, on Chopped, which I started in 2008, as a judge. And you know, as a judge, I just am myself. I'm sort of blunt force. I say what I feel. I don't like- Really? Yeah. Shock. And uh, I think people get it and they like that about me. So what's great about TV for me is I can absolutely be myself. I don't, there's no governor on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if that means I'm good, then yeah. people like who I am, I guess. Yeah, that's good. Uh, roast beef or burger? Are you saying beef on weck roast beef? What kind of roast beef? I don't beef? know. You tell me. Uh, uh, yeah. You know- I'm probably going to say a burger, just mm-hmm. because of what we experienced mm-hmm. together. I mean, you forget about how good a burger is once in a while. Oh, simple burger is a brilliant thing. All right, last- Didn't qu- need tomato, did it? No, it never needs tomato. Never it's does. It's wet. Who yeah. needs a wetness? Nah. Who needs it? You got juice. Maybe a tomato salad on the side, like in August. In August. Yeah. Last question. Olive oil or butter? I'd say both, but uh, French butter if possible. Always. Jeffrey Zakarian, thank you very much. Adam, it's a pleasure. <laughs> This podcast has been brought to you by Carrie Polis, Emma Wurtzman, and Lily Sherman, with editing by Mitra Kaboli. Our theme music is by Valerie and the Gradies. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Plus, we're also offering a deal with our podcast listeners. Go to bonappetit.com slash gift to see what we have. Thanks for listening. La, 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 la.